Brady Saar, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services, Erskine. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good afternoon, farm news on the Red River Farm Network from the International Crop Expo in Grand Forks, a full trade show. Uh, meeting rooms also busy for all the breakout sessions. Innovis Agra President Brett Elke, who's a farm management consultant, joins us now. Brett, what's your take on this market right now? Well, I mean, it's been interesting because, uh, you know, generally we'll see a roller coaster type market. We kind of have that going, but it's all downhill up to this point. Did see a little price recovery yesterday, but uh, we took a little bit of that away last night. I think we need to find a bottom on some of this stuff. Uh, interestingly, um, you know, we're setting our crop insurance prices this month, and generally it's, it's a fairly benign month in terms of new crop pricing. Um, we should have an opportunity sometime between, let's say, the end of March and the, sometime in July to do some forward pricing on new crop and maybe get rid of some of the old crop corn and wheat that it's kind of hanging around yet. But uh, I think our expectations have been tampened, dampened quite a bit. Is there much old crop out there yet? I think there's a fair amount of old crop wheat and corn. I don't think there's a lot of soybeans left. Um, you know, as you travel around the country, you don't see the piles, so they're moving some of the outside stuff out. But I do think there's still a fair amount of old crop corn and, and wheat left to sell. You seen your customers concerned about uh, this open winter? First of all, we are enjoying the fact that we don't have the snow we had last year. We had a, enough moisture, I think, before we froze up in a lot of cases. I think we had three inches of rain in December over Christmas at my place, all of which soaked in and really recharged that, you know, that South Valley soil pretty nicely. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we stay open and stay dry, we're going to have fast planting progress, which is probably going to be negative to the markets. But the reality is that isn't necessarily a good thing. I'm Don Wick at the International Crop Expo with more farm news. Here's Whitney Pittman. Thanks, Don. Joining us is Rock and Roll Agronomy's Jason Hansen presented here. Talked a lot about the uh, 2023 growing season and, and weed control was something uh, that you, you touched on quite a bit here. What were some of the, the big wins and some of the things where we maybe need to, to pay a little extra attention here and as we look ahead to 2024? Yeah, I'll emphasize that we're going to stick with our pre-emerge and burn down. I think we're to the point, I, well, I know we are in soybeans where we just have to we're going to live and die by that. So we, got, we have to have a clean slate. We can't have anything that gets past us right off the bat because we, we're to the point, I believe, where we have to do everything possible to save glufosinate or liberty because uh, we're just, we, I got kosher that's showing dicamba resistant. And I, I didn't say it in the meeting, but I had kosher that I believe I didn't see die from kosher or from glyphosate last year until probably sometime in June. So most of my kosher is glyphosate resistant as well. So you gotta go into NDSU's Wide World of Weeds and listening to Brian Jenks and talking about a lot of different things and approaches and that's what we're gonna do coming in this next year. Looking at plans here for 2024, are guys making those decisions, getting things set and, and maps drawn up for, for what'll be in the field? Yeah, we started doing that. Uh, it'll, it'll take off pretty much this whole month. Uh, it'll get pushed because it feels like things are earlier and everybody wants to get all their ducks in a row, that type of thing. But we just have to, uh, you know, there's some crops now we're not too excited about right at this point. And that's uh, how, how things have free fall um, in, in the market. But what do you do? I mean, barley contracts pretty tough to come by. Uh, edible beans was probably the one crop that I have heard the most about as far as people are like, 
asking about. And sunflowers, I don't think I'll have any sunflowers next year to look at. But we'll see. Wheat is, uh, canola came through again. Everybody kind of always looks for an excuse. It gets to be an expensive crop to put in, but it always comes through. It's just that type of crop. Wheats, we always have wheat. It's, it's, it's always my number one acreage that I scout and consult on every single year. And it's always going to be that way, I believe. Jason Hansen joining us here on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman turning things over to Tyler Donaldson. Thanks, Whitney. I'm speaking with NDSU Extension Soil Specialist Dave Franzen. Dave, your presentation was titled Changes Over the Last 30 Years. Can you share with us some of the changes that you've seen in that time? So a lot has changed in 30 years since I've been here. Uh, we started out with yield goal-based formulas. Uh, we started out with corn and soybeans not being a really a major crop in the state. All that's really changed. So instead of yield goal-based formulas, right now we have relative yield. That, that nitrogen and really all fertilizers and yield are really not directly related that the soil provides quite a bit of that and so the old recommendations didn't recognize that at all. So with the hundreds of nitrogen rate trials we did across the state, uh, once we once we put them in terms of relative yield, the strength of the relationship between the amount of nitrogen of, that we can measure in the soil and the, and the relative yield uh, is a very strong relationship. And then the other really huge major changes we've made was the relationship of our potassium recommendations with clay chemistry. Before we started working with this, in 2014, I thought that potassium fertility was very, very simple. It's not something that professors spend a lot of time on in soil fertility classes at universities, but really they should be spending a lot of time because the potassium fertility is very complex, more physical chemistry. Nitrogen is complex due to biochemistry, but potassium with physical chemistry. We have we have maps developed of North Dakota at great expense. Uh, North Dakota Corn Council and others have foot the bill for, for that. Uh, and so the potassium recommendations we have are, are based on clay chemistry, and that's the first in the world, really, that are. But Minnesota is not far behind. I think South Dakota is working on it, and others have taken a look at it. So, Do potassium rates affect yield output that much? Yeah, so the potassium, we haven't thought that much about it. And how much does it matter, and what kind of soil test value do you need in order to do that? And so that's that's how we how we how we came to these new recommendations. The yield advances we get with adding the right amount of potassium are in the neighborhood of 25, 30 bushels, which isn't huge in corn, but it is you know substantial. It's over 100 bucks an acre in most years. Uh, so so yeah, it does. That was NDSU Extension Soil Specialist Dave Franzen from the International Crop Expo in Grand Forks for the Red River Farm Network. I'm Tyler. Donaldson. There are seven days left in the spring crop insurance price discovery period. At this point, corn is averaging 4.63 per bushel, down 20% from last year. Soybeans are at 11.66, down 15%. Spring wheat's at 6.92 a bushel, down 22% from a year ago. This is the Red River Farm Network. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Most of Brazil is enjoying good soil moisture conditions. The World Weather Incorporated says the one exception may be the western parts of that country. That's a bit of a worry for late planted corn and cotton. Safrina corn planting 45% complete with farmers adopting an aggressive planting schedule so there will be enough moisture to support late season crop development. Van Auden Company market analyst Jim Emter says the grains just continue to chop sideways to lower. Had a soft start to the day today. Argentina seen a little better rain chances here as we work ahead over the next two weeks. 
Uh, some of the drier trends that were working back into Argentina softened overnight, and I think that just leads to beans as the featured sell market. You know, we're going to turn drier for areas of Brazil where the second crop corn is being planted. So that's a market that maybe can hold together a little better here against these recent lows. We'll see as that develops. But really, until we see some kind of greater threat out of South America, a boost in demand for U.S. goods, a change in the dollar index structure as we're near that 104, until we see something arise in the U.S. or China in their spring planting issues, or until we see major managed money or index funds start to cover here, uh, any rallies we get are going to be short-lived just due to the farmer selling that occurs here. And Comstock Investments market analyst Joe Camps is the grains giving back yesterday's gains. There was some signs of short covering and general profit-taking from those bearish hedge funds who have now built a record net short position in corn and soybeans together and which have you know also doubled down on uh, rebuilding bearish uh, positions in the wheat market and then you have just a lack of follow-through of buying interest it's one thing to have the selling exhausted for a moment and another thing to see actual upside traction and we don't have that and it's more the same that we don't have any real fresh input in terms of demand that's lacking seeing the livestock market that's slightly firmer but well off the highs still some strength here for cattle now we're coming off of these session highs and that does fit with what we've started to observe this week in terms of some potential bearish divergence where you have prices making new highs for the move but these say basic relative strength or momentum studies not making new highs and so that's a a loss of uh, traction here on the buy side even though it's still a very firm market there are expectations that with pinched profitability on the packer end they could try to slow things down here this week we'll we'll see how the cash market develops here probably starting later today Uh, but for now a slightly higher market that's come off its highs for cattle we've got hogs now uh, gaining some traction to the downside after a firmer start Heifers continue to bring good money at sale barns. Bennett consulting owner Matt Bennett expects that cattle market to remain tight. We are expecting low cattle on feed and, uh, uh, you know, inflation numbers as we move throughout this calendar year. And I've got to think the second half of the year could get pretty exciting, uh, you know, especially as you continue to dwindle this uh, overall herd inventory because that's just going to continue to to see the deferred type you know, conversations as far as, you know, on farther out. How low would cattle on feed and placements get? And I think they're going to get pretty low as you get into the second half of the year. And Bennett does not see a rapid rebuilding of the cattle herd due to those high-priced heifers. Oh, my word, they're so expensive. And so, you know, that's one thing I've said. People say, well, what do you think about these guys selling these? You know what? I cannot fault someone who wants to get eighteen hundred two grand or more out of a common heifer you know i mean it's just uh that's not that's not normal that's not something we've seen in the past and and so you know uh uh our cash flows have certainly improved on the cattle side of things but uh this is something that was sorely needed and so uh you know i've got to think that uh, guys are going to have a really hard time keeping them girls back the national sustainable agriculture coalition is out with a new farm policy report reports that over 60% of farm program payments went to farmers in 10 states, including North Dakota, Minnesota, and South Dakota. The coalition is an alliance of 130 grassroots organizations. 
Policy recommendations includes means testing and a payment limit on crop insurance premium incentives, improvements to the whole farm revenue protection insurance program, and safeguarding the $20 billion in climate smart agriculture conservation programs. This is the Red River Farm Network. Good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Sustainability research not limited to just crop studies. NDSU Extension Livestock Environmental Stewardship Specialist Miranda Meehan is also looking at ways that livestock can help greener production and producers' bottom line. And so looking at those interactions between livestock and the environment, and I look at it as how can I use livestock as a tool to improve the environment um, through different grazing systems to improve sustainability, um, incorporating livestock into, our, into crop systems, and how can we improve sustainability but also improve the bottom line for our farmers and ranchers in these systems. Meehan looking at integrated crop livestock systems that will benefit both crop and cattle producers. Number one is economic sustainability should always be your first focus. How can we stay in business? What is keeping us out there on the land? Then we can focus on that environmental sustainability and impact. And usually they go hand in hand. So a lot of the practices that we're looking at have an economic benefit. Like good grazing systems, we're going to have higher forage production. We're going to have greater climate resilience, especially when we think about drought resilience. And same with integrated crop livestock systems. It gives us a little more flexibility in our system and it gives us a return on that investment in that cover crop. Checking markets before we leave you this afternoon. March wheat Minneapolis is down five and a quarter cents, 660 and a quarter. The May contract down three and a quarter, 662 and a quarter. Chicago March wheat's down a penny and three quarters at 581. Kansas City March wheat's down nine and three quarter at uh, 576 and a half. March corn down seven and a quarter, 411 and a half. July corn's down seven at 436 and a quarter. March soybeans down 15 cents at 1164. The May soybeans down 15 and three quarters at 1167 and three quarters. March meal is down 450 a ton at 343.10. Bean oil down 38 points at 4554. In Winnipeg, March canola, $9.40 a metric ton lower at 575.40 Canadian. June live cattle, rather April live cattle first, uh, 57 cents higher, 187.90. June 55 higher at 183.50. March feeder cattle, 25 cents higher at 251.62. April feeder cattle, 90 cents higher at 256.25. April lean hogs, 42 cents higher at 86.10. The May hogs, 47 cents higher. At 89.47, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 52 points at 38,511. Thanks for joining us. Have a good afternoon. This is the Red River Farm Network.